Okay. kids on Sunday nights, most Sunday nights, uh, Tom Smith, our music leader, he's encouraged families to have their kids ready to sing, and that's developing our young people in, in, in music and, of course, in an in instrument, and the Wilson kids, mom was teaching them harmony, and uh, I wanted them to sing. They did a good job, and, you know, I remember when the Kendrick kids were a little like that. I can go back and remember the Henson girls 
when they were little. I'd go out to Brother Henson's meeting in Ypsilanti, and Micah was just a new little boy, and he'd sit under the pew. He'd sleep under the pew, and everybody was handing him cookies and crackers and, you know, and, uh, but then he got up there and started singing. So parents, uh, teach your children to worship the Lord and serve the Lord and start them early because God surely use them. Amen. Let's stand if we would. Get a songbook in hand. Welcome to our tent meeting tonight. It's been a good week. We're glad you're here. Double zero in your songbook. Double zero, I guess. Ot, ot. Is that what he'd say? Revive us again. Revive us again. We'll sing another one here in a minute. Brother Tom. Double ot. a Baptist tent meeting, it's amen. Say it out. Uh, and so don't say amen. Say amen. Okay, Brother Tom. He's a wonderful savior to me. <clears throat> I was lost in sin, but Jesus rescued me. He's a wonderful savior to me.
Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. He is always near to comfort and to cheer. He's a wonderful Savior to me. He forgives my sins. He dries my Good. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, we're going to have prayer. Pastor McFadden's coming. He's the pastor at Prayer Baptist. We appreciate those folks coming out tonight. Brother Staub, Silver Lane's over here, and Brother Mario, his assistant. And, of course, Brian McBride's here, and Jason Kendrick's preaching. Adam Wells is working with the deaf, preaching over there. So we appreciate all the pastors and their support. We had different churches here each night, different pastors and we appreciate you worshiping with us and supporting this meeting tomorrow night some more. And, of course, Friday night. But we praise the Lord. And, again, we're on that, what's it called, live Twitter feed? Live Twitter feed. And I'm getting messages from people that are seeing the services. My kids think it's a riot. And uh, I got a call from Germany today, my son Daniel. He said, Dad, it was so good to see you up there leading the service and talking about porta potties potty porties and uh hey i'm famous all over the world folks that's just the way it goes so but uh, we're having a good time and i didn't realize that everybody's you know it's kind of like skyping in i guess or t- t- twittering or tweeting in did you know that my son my somebody asked my son joe that was here last night said i can't believe your dad's saying twitter and smiling about it but but uh, we're glad that people can see the services and get in. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. But we're glad for Brother McFadden being here. He's going to lead us in prayer tonight. Come on. All right, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you so much for your goodness to us, Lord. We're thankful so much for your mercy and your grace. God, I pray you be with the preaching tonight, Father. I pray you just be with uh, every message and every word that is said, Lord. I just pray you just convict us of the sin that we need to be convicted of. God, if there's somebody here, Lord, who needs to be comforted, Father, I pray you just comfort them in only the way that you know how. God, I just ask that we see something real tonight, Lord. I just pray that we uh, uh, feel your touch tonight, and I just pray that uh, you be with us uh, the entire night. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated, folks. Our assistant pastor is going to come, Brother Jeremiah Williams. He's going to, we're going to tag team tonight. He's going to run the service till the end. So Brother Jeremiah is going to talk to us about our special and so forth. Thank you, Brother. All right, well, it's good to see everybody out tonight. Thank you for being here. We do have one of the ladies from our church, Miss Lori Everett. She's going to come and sing at this time, and we love uh, hearing Miss Lori as she sings. Uh, we do want to mention over at the food court tonight, after the service, we'll have uh, pizza and, of course, uh, nacho chips and cheese, things like that. And uh, we always have a good time over there. Come over and fellowship for a little bit after the service. Uh, but just thank you so much for coming out and looking forward to what God has for us tonight. Miss Lori.
wonderful thought. The Bible tells us there's no temptation taking you such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Aren't you thankful you serve a God that's faithful tonight? I'm glad to have our faithful evangelist, Brother Jason Kendrick. He's going to come. I met Brother Jason 12 years ago, and I'm still trying to decide whether I like him. But I like his kids. And so we appreciate Brother Jason and his ministry. He's going to come and he's going to preach to us tonight, Brother Jason. 
Amen. Well, I love those kind of introductions. Amen. Well, we love the Williams family and Jeremiah. Amen. So. Well, some of you know and some of you may not know, but um, we, uh, of course, are members of Victory Baptist Church down in Milton, Florida. And uh, a couple years ago, I moved back home where I grew up at, so it's good to be home. And, uh, and uh, we was a missionary up here in the North Country for many years, saw many people saved, and uh, we still visit every now and then, but, man, y'all are dead. Good night. <laughs> that was a joke. But anyways, um, we represent Victory Baptist Press, and uh, our church there has a printing ministry. That's where Grace uh, works whenever we're at home. She's one of the secretaries there, and the kids get to help out every opportunity that they get, putting Bibles together and putting Bibles on trucks and different things like that. So it's a blessing to be there. But we do represent the press, and so we try to say something about the uh, press there. And if you've never heard of Victory Baptist Press, I'd invite you to go online. You can sign up for the uh, newsletter uh, and get those and the emails. Uh, right now, we, we have some on the back table. These are free. You can grab one, pick it up. A lot of preachers like to get them. Preacher always puts an uh, outline on the back on every one of them, and it gives you a little uh, newsletter of what's going on, things that are happening. And we'd invite you to pick up one of those. Also, there's a brochure on the back table, tells you a little bit more about the ministry there, and uh, we uh, are doing our dead level best to get as many Bibles as we can throughout the world. Of course, right now we are focused on South America, and uh, we just sent uh, 25,000 Bibles uh, over to uh, South America there, and Brother Don Rich is going to be getting those Bibles distributed across that country, and uh, he is uh, the guy that we send most of them to. We'll be sending some to Paraguay here very soon. And, uh, and also we keep some there in the shop and send them out to uh, different ministries around the world. And right now we are printing Spanish Bibles. Of course, we've done a Filipino Bible. They've done some John Romans in, in the uh, uh, Zimbabwe. We just sent some of those not too long ago. Can't remember how many it was. Do you remember, Grace? 300 and something thousand. Can't remember. Something like that. And a bunch of material that we sent. And right now we're working on another project uh, to get some more Bibles sent out. And here's the here's the way we do it. If you're listening, we send the Bibles out free. We don't charge the missionary. We don't uh, charge them $3 a Bible or $5 a Bible or even a dollar a Bible. We send them for uh, free of charge. But the way to do that, and the only way for us to do that, is to uh, raise the money, of course, and buy the paper and the ink and pay for all the shipment. And uh, we can buy a, uh, you, can, you can buy a roll of paper for approximately $1,200 I think it's somewhere around $35,000 for a truckload of paper. Truckload of paper will print uh, approximately 25,000 uh, whole Bibles. And then uh, we will, of course, raise the rest of the money and ship that to the foreign field in a container, or we'll ship them individually in boxes uh, to wherever they are needed. And so it's, it's a great blessing. It's a great ministry. I, I'm not going to take a lot of time, much more time to talk about it, but we have a prayer card back there. I'd love for you to grab one of those. There's a tab on the side that if you wanted to give, you could uh, mail it in. And uh, we don't want to pull from this meeting, of course, but uh, if there is someone here that would like to give towards that, there's also a little roll back there, a little bank that you can put in. And every bit of that money goes straight to Victory Baptist Press. And uh, we give it to uh, take care of Bibles. And that's exactly how we do it. There's several different uh, missionaries, I guess you'd say representatives from the press that are out doing the same thing that I'm doing. Many of them are doing a much better job than I ever will, but uh, we try to get the word out and let people know about it. And a lot of times, uh, people just don't know about it, and they don't know that uh, about a ministry like that, but it's a local, independent, Bible-believing Baptist ministry that believes just like you do, and uh, 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 separated and does our best to do the work of God and the will of God. And of course, you know anything about that, the devil will fight and uh, I don't know if any of you, how many of you in here get the emails from uh, Pastor Fallor, from Jim Fallor, I should say, uh, from the press? Anyone in here? Amen. I figured you did, Brother Staub. Amen. Brother Tim. Yes, sir. Some preacher. There's only a few of y'all, but uh, if you would like to get those emails, uh, you give us your email. Actually, don't give it to me. Give it to Grace. And uh, you write it on a piece of paper or something. Give it to Miss Grace, my daughter. And when she gets back next week, she'll make sure Brother Jim gets those uh, addresses and he will 
put you on the list and you will start getting emails giving you updates about the press. It's very exciting to see what's going on. I can't explain it to you. Uh, if there's one thing I think our churches ought to support is I believe they ought to support the printing of Bibles. And, and, and I wasn't as strong. I wasn't as strong on that belief, uh, Brother Staub, until I actually went there. And when I went there and I saw that press running, boy, something got a hold of my heart. And to watch that press print that Bible, it's amazing. See a big roll, and then the next thing you know, when you see it at the other end, it's a signature, which is a part of the Bible. It takes 32 to 34 signatures to make a whole Bible. And then, of course, we collate that scripture. It's very exciting to, to watch that run and to know that you've had a part. I usually have a big stand-up stand that I put up. I don't have it here because under the tent, the wind blows it over. But on that picture that I carry around, there's a picture of the president of Peru, him and his wife, and the whole state house received a Bible from Victory Baptist Press free of charge. There is also a picture of a church in South America where the congregation is standing there holding their Bibles. It was their first Bible, their whole Bible that they ever received, and it was printed there at Victory Baptist, Victory Baptist Press there. And it's just a lot of different pictures and a lot of different things. There are stories that's been told about uh, men, uh, uh, one guy in particular on crutches, I think he traveled for three days to get to a certain city where he heard that they would be handing out Bibles, and we got four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Bibles laying around our house, and we don't think it's that big a deal, but I promise you, dear friend, it is a big deal to somebody, and uh, they are grateful that they can have somebody like Victory Baptist Press print those Bibles and ship them, of course, to them free of charge and hand them out. So check it out. I'd appreciate it if you want to give, and uh, that would be a blessing also. All right, First Thessalonians chapter number four tonight. First Thessalonians chapter number four. Brother McBride will be coming in just a moment to preach, and I worked desperately hard on a message for the last two days trying to get one that I was working on finished that I'd be able to preach it tonight, but I was not able to finish it. And um, so I'm uh, going to do what Brother Parchman did when I traveled with him. He would struggle sometimes not knowing what to preach, and uh, so therefore when he didn't know what to preach, he would preach on salvation. You never know who is under the tent. You never know who might come. And, and I promise you something, church. Let me, let me give you a, a little insight. Some of you know this, but there is, there is a principality and the power of darkness that is present. There is a real devil that don't, don't think he ain't around and don't think that he don't fight because he's fighting. And, and I guarantee you he's fighting tonight. And he's been fighting all day long. You see, we, 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 we're not fighting against flesh and blood tonight, but we are fighting against principalities and powers of darkness. And Satan does not want Brother McBride to get up here and preach. He does not want me to get up here and preach. He does not want anybody, if you would, given anything that has to do with the gospel or with preaching. He doesn't want to see the lives of people changed. He doesn't want to see people get right with God. He doesn't want conviction upon a place. He will do everything in his power to uh, come up under this place and uh, try his best to grieve the Holy Ghost, and he'll use individuals to do so. He'll do everything he can to destroy the work of God. He'll put feelings in individuals hearts. He'll put uh, frustration and anger and lust and bitterness and all kinds of different feelings upon the heart of men and women. He'll do everything he can to try to hinder the Holy Ghost from working in the lives of people. I can say to you tonight, dear friend, that I feel his presence. I've felt him fighting throughout the day, all day, and even tonight. Satan uh, will do everything he can to try to hinder the work of God. I am not one I, uh, that wants to come to church and just go through uh, a sermon, if you would. I'm not one that wants to come to a service and preach my little 30-minute slot and then sit down and turn around and go to the house later on that night. That is not the plan or the idea that I have. As a matter of fact, there's a burden on the inside of my heart to want to see the hand of God upon a service. There's a burden in my heart to see God move in a mighty way as I pray for the service, as I, as I desire to see the Lord work mightily. I pray for Brother McBride that God would use him and empower and preach him powerfully. I pray that God would help Brother Brown 
as he leads the service and God would help me as I preach and any other man that might be preaching in this place. Because I say to you, dear friend, if you're not careful, what will happen is you'll come to the tent services each and every night and you're not paying attention. You really don't care. You're just going through the motions if you would because you know it's the right thing to do. You know it's right to come to the house of God. It's enjoyable if you would to hear the good singing like we've already heard thus far. It's enjoyable to be able to see friends and to hang around with God's people, which I think are the greatest people on the face of the earth. I enjoy seeing the preachers. I enjoy seeing the people of God. There's people here that we're close to. We love. We enjoy seeing them. But can I say to you, when it's church time, it's time to listen for the voice of God. It's time to listen for the Holy Ghost of God. What does God want to say to you? What does God want to do to your, do in your life? Uh, what message does God want to use to transform your life? I don't believe that we should come to the house of God, uh, sit here and hear a little bit of preaching, uh, and act like everything's wonderful in our homes and in our lives, uh, and turn around and leave without change. Uh, there ought to be something inside of us that says, God, speak to my heart. God, use that preacher to say something that will change my children, change my wife, change me, and change my family. And I say to you, dear friend, tonight, don't let the meeting go by. It's already Wednesday night. And I ask you, what has God done in your heart? How has God spoke to you in the last two or three nights that we've already been here? Are you going to be one of those that go through the meeting and live in the same lifestyle that you've always lived in? Not allowing God to deal with you, not allowing God to touch your heart, not allowing the hand of God to fall on you and to change your life and use you in a mighty way. And at the same time, I wonder how many there are tonight that are sitting under the tent that are lost and on their way to a devil's hell. How many people go to the church house, if you would, uh, on Sunday night or even slip in there on a revival service because somebody invited them and yet they do not know that if they died tonight, they would go to heaven. I want to preach tonight on a little subject, if I can, on will he be telling you hello or goodbye. First Thessalonians chapter number four. The Bible said in verse number 13, it says this, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them, he said, which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord wherefore comfort one another with these words may I say to you tonight dear friend that the scripture that we just read is speaking to Christians and I say thank God for that boy that's an encouraging piece of scripture that we can read. Of course, we say it's talking about the rapture, one of our favorite verses. Those of us that are saved, those of us that are on our way to heaven, we say, boy, I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for the day that the Lord comes back and calls us home. I hope that I'm part of the rapture. And I say, what a day that's gonna be. And it's a great peace to know that heaven's my home. It's a great peace to know that my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. The Bible said over there in Revelation 21, 27, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. But verse 18, the Bible said over there, it said, wherefore comfort one another with these words. You know, it's a comfort to know that we got family on their way to heaven. It's a comfort for us to know we got friends on their way to heaven. It's a comfort for us to know that some of us have brothers and sisters and children and moms and dads on their way to heaven. And there's even some tonight that are sitting here, many of us, we have those that we've loved that have gone on before, those that are already there in that place called heaven, though the world has its problems. Though tonight in America and throughout the world, there is killing and drugs and, and liquor and divorce and there's rape and incest and prisons and molestation and filth. There's terrorism and abortion and all manner of sin that is upon the face of the planet. But still, even though there's much trouble, even though there's much heartache, if you would, in this world, on the inside of us, those of us that are saved, those of us that know we're on our way to heaven, there is a comfort in our heart, would you say amen, to know that we are on our way there. 
Now I think about those in heaven, friend, uh, those that are rejoicing in heaven and telling stories. Uh, there's those of us, uh, our friends and family that have gone on before us. Uh, there are many preachers uh, that even preach in this very area and some that pastor this church that are in heaven. Uh, I think about Dr. Seitler. I think about uh, uh, maybe uh, Brother Billy Kelly, Brother Hudson, Brother Oliver B. Green. Uh, and I think about many preachers like that, Brother, jo uh, 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 Brother Jack Hiles and Brother Jack Woods. And I think about Brother Jack Parchman. Many of you remember him. Uh, those that are there in heaven. I even think about some that are even close to us, amen? I thought today as preparing this message, uh, I thought about Brother Smith as he's there in heaven tonight, amen? As he sits there, it's real, dear friend, uh, as he's there around Lazarus uh, and the woman maybe, uh, 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 the woman with an issue's there in heaven but no longer has an issue. Blind Bartimaeus is there with him but no longer blind. Uh, the maniac of Gadara is there in heaven but no, maniac, no more a maniac. Uh, can I say to you, friend, the thief on the cross is there but no longer a thief, uh, there's Mary Magdalene, she's there. And we can go on and on of those that we love and those that we know about that are there in heaven. Even right this very moment, dear friend, walking down the street of gold, uh, enjoying the great treasures in the great place of heaven, there in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it's real as a nose on your face, dear friend. They are there in that place. Uh, and I say to you, but this reference is not speaking, uh, dear friend, to the lost. It's speaking to the saved. And I say, friend, it's not a great peace to know that hell might be your home. If you're here tonight, I cannot give you any comforting words. Accept, dear friend, repent, receive the Lord Jesus Christ. But for the Christian, the Bible said over there, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me for in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, ye may be also. I say to you, dear friend, for the Christian, there's nothing for you and I to worry about. God's building us a home. Some of you don't sound like you're very excited about it. He's promised to return. And one of these we're gonna go, days we're gonna go home to be with him. And Jesus is the only way. Jesus said unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus, friend, is the only door. He's the only way. And I ask you tonight, will he be telling you hello or goodbye? Let's look at the crowd, if we can. We got the hello crowd, the goodbye crowd. Look at Acts chapter number seven. Acts chapter number seven. I'm moving quickly. want to leave room for uh, Brother McBride. Acts chapter number seven. Look at verse number 51, if you would, there in Acts chapter seven. The Bible says down there in verse number 51, it says this. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed, uh, showed they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Uh, but he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God in Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears uh, and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and, the, and stone him and the witnesses uh, laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul and they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying Lord Jesus receive my spirit and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice Lord lay not this sin to their charge and when he had said this he uh, fell asleep we find here in the Bible dear friend a man that I believe uh, no doubt is part of the hello crowd the Bible said down there that he was filled with the Holy Ghost the Bible said in verse 56 that he was saw Jesus standing there. So that means that he looked through the frozen sea of glass into the throne room surrounded by the 24 elders and the four beasts. And there was Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And I believe that the Lord's arms were open wide, ready to receive, if you would, Stephen. Welcome home, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. No more pain, Stephen. Now he's singing with the saints. Now he's worshiping around the throne, dear friend. I mean, he went from shouting at the sinners to singing with the saints. He went from preaching, if you would, to praising. He went from getting gnashed on to getting loved on. Amen. I mean, there's some things about Stephen, that hello crowd that we can learn from. You know what I like to think about Stephen is, that hello crowd. Stephen didn't care what others thought. 
Stephen was a man that would stand up for the Lord. Uh, may I say to you, dear friend, he preached what wasn't popular. He preached what cut to the heart. Uh, he preached to a wicked world. Uh, you know, he was preaching, if you would, for Jesus, uh, standing up for the Lord. Uh, and you know, a, a real preacher, by the way, he will. Uh, and a right Christian and a strong Christian uh, is a kind of Christian that will stand up for the Lord uh, no matter what's taking place around him. Stephen had courage. Stephen was one that stood against the crowd. He didn't let pride get in the way. He wasn't a people pleaser. He didn't let friends stop him. He didn't let family stop him. He was more concerned about what God thought about him than he was what somebody else thought about him. He stood up for the Lord, not worried about the world. Stephen wasn't concerned for self, but can we say that he was concerned for others, which is another thing that those that are part of the hello crowd will have. He was cared for those that gnashed on him. He cared for those that cast him out of the city. He cared for those that stoned him, if you would. Now, I want to say to you, dear friend, save people of today. If somebody even says something bad about them, man, they're ready to cut their throat, amen, and stone them and cast them into the depth. But I cannot say to you, dear friend, that wasn't the way Stephen was. Stephen was more concerned for those that were killing him and hurting him than he was for his own self. You know what the Bible said in Matthew 5, 44? He said, do good to them that hate you. That's hard for us to do. But that hello crowd, you know what he does? That hello crowd is concerned for others. They're not concerned for their self. We got too many so-called Christians that are worried about what others think about them. And Stephen didn't care. Stephen preached to a crooked generation. Stephen, dear friend, preached to a careless generation. Stephen, friend, he preached to a cold generation uh, just like today. But there's not very many Christians, I'm afraid to say, like Stephen. There's not many friend, not many friend that are part of the hello crowd uh, that will stand up and be a testimony to a wicked and dying world. Uh, Stephen, dear friend, uh, is not the kind of an individual that tiptoed around the tulips. Uh, Stephen was not the kind of individual that was real careful how he said his words. Uh, Stephen was not the kind of individual that was worried about offending somebody that was lost and on their way to a devil's hell. Yet Stephen was the kind of man, dear friend, uh, that stood up. Uh, he was a man that had some boldness, uh, a man that had some backbone, uh, a man that had some guts. Uh, and if there's anything that the church needs today, uh, there's a whole lot that the church needs today. But one thing the church needs today is some men and women today that will stand up for the God of heaven uh, with some boldness, uh, with some backbone, uh, with some guts, uh, and stand up and cry out uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the hello crowd. The save crowd. Too many people today want to please their boss or their family or their friend. They're trying to impress a girl or a boy. They want to try to be tough for the devil instead of being tough for God. But I say to you, dear friend, stand up for God. He'll be standing on the other side for you. The hello crowd. Well, Stephen's part of it. Let's look at, let's look at some more. Look at Luke chapter number 16. Turn over there. Luke chapter number 16. Luke 16, we're still talking about the hello crowd. Look at verse number 19. The Bible said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame but Abraham listen to what he says watch what he says but Abraham said son remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things but now he is comforted and thou art tormented May I say to you, dear friend uh, that whenever Lazarus was here upon the earth uh, nobody cared about Lazarus nobody wanted to get to know Lazarus. Nobody cared what happened to Lazarus. As a matter of fact, probably nobody even showed up at his funeral. This is a poor man that was saved, secured, and satisfied. This is a poor man that has nothing. He had no friends. He had no family that we know of. He had no food, no earthly future, no money, no mansion, and no meaning in life. And tonight, if we were to check everybody out tonight, everyone here tonight no doubt has more than Lazarus ever had. And most people would not think much about Lazarus. 
As a matter of fact, most of us tonight would look at Lazarus as he sits there on the side of the road and say, look at that old sorry bum. He's a nobody. Nobody cared about Lazarus. This is a poor man though. Even though nobody cared for him, he was a poor man that was carried to heaven. He was cared for in heaven. He was accompanied by the saints in heaven. And I say to you, dear friend, I believe with all my heart that the God of heaven put this in the Bible to let us know that you don't need riches to get to heaven. It's not about what you have or what you've done. Uh, and there's nothing going for Lazarus here upon the earth. Uh, but everything was going for him there in heaven. And here's what God says to you. God says, come as you are. God says, come to me, all you that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Amen. Uh, and I say to you, you come to God with a believing and a repentant heart. Uh, and God will save your soul. But popularity is not going to get anybody to heaven. Looks is not going to get anybody to heaven. Fame is not going to get anybody to heaven. Uh, friends is not going to get anybody to heaven uh, and your money definitely is not going to get you to heaven isn't it amazing isn't it amazing dear friend that an individual can have a whole lot of money he can he or she can live a life of a devil uh, and they can have all kinds of prestige uh, they can have all kinds of friends uh, they can have all kinds of businesses and everybody likes them uh, and then when they lay out there in front of the church uh, everybody wants to put them in heaven uh, everybody thinks they're such a good saint uh, everybody thinks they're wonderful but can I say to you dear friend oh no many of them are just like the rich man uh, they live a luxurious life here upon this earth. Uh, they don't care anything about the God of heaven. Uh, and they die and go to a devil's hell, dear friend. Uh, and most would have looked at Lazarus and think he's a nobody. But friend, can I say to you, uh, they thought higher of Lazarus in heaven uh, than they ever did uh, the rich man. Uh, you know, the Peter said this, he said, silver and gold, have I none? Uh, but whatsoever I have, he said, give I thee. Uh, Jesus Christ is what he had. Uh, the Holy Ghost is what he had. Uh, and I say to you, dear friend, this world has nothing to offer you and I. It's a poor, pitiful place. And the old devil's a liar. It's amazing how he gets people on the earth, the young people and the young adults and even some of the older people. He gets them to enjoy the filth and the pleasures of the world, thinking that that's the best way to go. The limelight, the luxurious life, everything wonderful, but riches don't mean anything to Jesus. Fancy clothes and cars he could care less about. And I say to you, friend, when it comes time for you to die. He don't care what possessions you have. Too many so-called Christians, dear friend, uh, they think, or people, I shouldn't say Christians, uh, too many so-called people today, uh, they think that they can work their way to heaven in. Uh, they think their good deeds are gonna get them there. Uh, they think their money's gonna get them there, but look at the rich man, it didn't get him there. Uh, this world's a painful place. Uh, it's full of sickness and trials and dying and hunger and pain and rejection and wickedness and crying and killing. The Bible said over there in Galatians 1.4, it said, who gave himself for our sins uh, that he might deliver us from this present uh, evil world. Hey, friend, don't set your roots too down, too deep in this old world, dear friend. Uh, heaven's a, a, a place that we all should long to go to. Uh, this world is a pitifully disease-infested place. It has nothing to offer you and I but sin and sorrow and heartache and trouble. So I ask you, if that's what it has to offer you, why are you running so hard after it? Satan tries his best to make it look good, doesn't he? God has something to offer you. He'll offer you the Lord Jesus Christ, heaven like Lazarus and Stephen, happiness, no more hunger for Lazarus, uh, no more sickness for Lazarus, no more humiliation or being laughed at anymore uh, uh, for Stephen, uh, no more pain for Stephen. Uh, Jesus says, hello, Stephen, hello, Lazarus. Heaven's a wonderful place. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to going, dear friend. Uh, and I say to the Christian, keep going for Christ. Uh, he went all the way for you, dear friend. Uh, but will he be telling you, hello, or will he be telling you goodbye? Let's look at the goodbye crowd. The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number two, it said this, it said, the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. You know, a thief is in and out. And when a thief comes, he takes things that are precious. And uh, Jesus is gonna come and he's gonna take that which is precious, which is souls, amen? In Matthew chapter number uh, 25, you can read the story in the count about the 10 virgins there. Five of them had the oil and five of them didn't. And we can use that, if you would, as an illustration and maybe say there's five saved and five lost. Now, I don't need to hear your uh, doctrinal exegesis, if you would, about it later on. I'm using an illustration. And you say five of them are saved, five of them are lost. In other words, five of them had the oil and five of them didn't have the oil. And the Bible says, when the bridegroom cometh, uh, he findeth them all uh, uh, sleeping, if you would, slumbering. Uh, and, 
And the Bible tells us over there in Matthew 7, uh, uh, it teaches us down there, verses 21 through 23, that there's a group of people uh, that's going to be knocking on the door just like that five did that didn't have the oil, and they're going to cry out, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord, did we not? They're going to say this to him whenever he says, cast him into outer darkness. Uh, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? Uh, did we not do many mighty wonderful works? Uh, uh, and he's going to look at them and say, I never knew you. I believe one of the most sobering verses in the Bible, dear friend, uh, for somebody to live their life uh, trying to go through the motions, if you would, of Christianity, trying to go through the motions of getting themselves to heaven, only to look into the face of Jesus Christ one day and for him to look at them uh, and tell the angels, bind him, bind her hand and foot and cast her into outer darkness. Oh, what a horrible day that's gonna be. What a wretched day that's gonna be, dear friend, to watch people as they scream and cry, as they try to flee on nothing. There's nowhere for them to hide. The world has been burned up. The world is gone. They're standing there on nothing as they stand there and as they kneel there before the God of heaven, accepting and acknowledging him as Jesus Christ, as God, and I say to you, dear friend, they're going to try their best to run, try their best to flee, try their best to hide, but there's no place found for them to hide as the angels snatch them up, bind them hand and foot, and cast them into outer darkness. Is that going to be you? Goodbye. One of these days, I'll never have to say goodbye to family, to friends, and those that we love. When I say to you, dear friend, you think about the goodbyes, maybe of relatives or friends or someone at camp or at school or at a job, or maybe someone that even passed away. These goodbyes are nothing compared to when Christ says, bind them hand and foot and cast them into outer darkness. Luke 16, 19, we read the account about the rich man. The rich man. He lived in the riches of this world and he lost the riches of heaven. He thought everything was going for him. He thought he was rich, but he was really poor. And I say to you, dear friend, you may not think so and you may not believe it, but we live in a rich world. We live in a world where people are comfortable. Nice cars, nice homes, nice clothes. We're even under a tent tonight that's pretty nice with fans and people's got their comfortable chairs. This rich man got what the world had to offer and he lost what God had to offer. Can you imagine getting everything that you want in this life only to die and go to a devil's hell? The rich man, when he was here, he thought he had it made. He lived in luxury. Servants at his becking hand. Any kind of food that he wanted. The best of the best, if you would. Whatever they had in those days, I don't know. Whether it be horses, whether it be chariots, whether it be wagons, whatever it may be. He had the best of everything. He thought he was happy, but he was really dissatisfied. He was popular in the sight of men, yet screaming and burning and crying and poor in the sight of God. And I say to you, dear mom and dad, teenager, adult, whoever you are, young person, I didn't get saved till I was 19 years old. A little testimony, you've heard it many times, no doubt. But I say to you, dear friend, I was raised in church, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was in church. As I become an older teenager, I even helped out on the bus route. I would go on visitation. I went to work days. I was in the revival service. I went to the camps. I did different things like that. Everything that you were supposed to do in the house of God. Yet I was lost. And on my way to a devil's hell. Trusting that my salvation at a young age, because my brother got saved, I went forward with him. And so I wanted to go forward and get saved like my brother. I didn't get saved because there was no conviction there, dear friend. There was no conviction of my sin. There was no drawing of the Holy Ghost of God. And I based my salvation on that little experience that I had following my brother down an aisle. And I knew I wasn't saved. Here's why. Because I enjoyed my sin. But there came a day, dear friend, at the age of 19, when my uncle was preaching the word of God. The Holy Ghost slipped in there in that pew beside me. He began to deal with my heart and show me I was lost and on my way to a devil's hell just like he's showing some of you tonight dear friend. Uh, and I began to talk to him and, uh, as he began to deal with me and try to explain to him how I got saved. Uh, of course he won the victory amen. Showed me that I was lost. Uh, showed me that I was guilty of sin. Uh, convicted me of my sin. I never felt that kind of conviction before uh, and the call of the Holy Ghost before. I didn't fight God that night 
I stepped out of my pew, friend, went down, let my uncle take a Bible, show me how to receive Christ as my Savior. And there at that place, I knelt at that altar and asked the Lord to save my heart. And I say to you, friend, I've been saved, of course, ever since. And the cares of this world, they will take you to hell. And the cares of the world will separate you from your family. It'll separate you from your friends. It'll separate you from a holy God. That girl won't care anything about you in hell. That boy won't care anything about you in hell. That money will do you no good in hell. That popularity and fame will do you no good in hell. And I say to you, dear friend, uh, 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 there's a God in heaven who loves you, uh, who wants the best for you, uh, who died for you, uh, who made it a way that all you got to do is repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and he'll save your soul, dear friend. Uh, But if not, you'll be part of the goodbye crowd. Tonight, the rich man's still in hell. He's hungrier than Lazarus ever was. He's hurting worse than Lazarus ever did. He's thirstier than Lazarus ever has been. He has many more problems than Lazarus ever dreamed of having. He's worse off, friend. And I say to you, dear friend, it is a continual goodbye. One more. Look at Luke chapter number 18. Luke chapter number 18, verse number 9. Luke 18, verse number 9. It'd be an awful thing to die and go to a devil's hell. After hearing a message like this and for you to sit there and act like it ain't no big deal, lost and on your way. Luke 18, Bible says down there in verse number nine, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And I say to you, dear friend, the goodbye crowd is the Pharisee, the religious crowd. They trusted in themselves. Here's what he said. He said, I fast twice in a week. He said, I'm, I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. He said, he said I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not like that guy. He failed to see himself a sinner, like many today. There's many today that sit in our churches that are religious, if you would, but lost. They fail to see their need for Christ. People today, I don't listen to bad music preacher. I don't smoke. I don't go to the movies. I don't drink liquor. I don't run with any of the women or the guys. I don't live that kind of a lifestyle. I'm not that bad of a person. I mean, I I don't do the things that others do. They fail to see themselves a sinner. The Pharisee will say things like this. Preacher, I go to church. I tithe. I work on the bus. I've made a profession. I've been baptized. I'm a deacon. I've I've preached before. I've taught a class. I know the Bible. I've been in church all my life. I I know all about God. I mean, I know what he did, why he did it, where he did it, and and I've told others about it. Uh, And and I I say to you, dear friend, uh, uh, that that does not mean that one is a sinner. It's amazing. Uh, I mean, one that is saved, I'm sorry. It's amazing that you can go knock on the doors today, or you can talk to somebody at a restaurant, or you can talk to somebody at a gas station, and you can ask them the question, if you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And many times they'll say this, I go to church. I go to such and such a church. Not to be disrespectful toward them, I'll try to come out by That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you, are you saved? If you died, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And I say to you, dear friend, it's not what you do, it's what he did. It's not about all the good works that you and I might do or the church or the money or the things we've given or done for the Lord. Uh, The Pharisee, dear friend, went to hell and the publican went to heaven. The publican was a nobody. The publican looked up and said, hey God, I am not very good. Uh, I'm a mess, if you would. Uh, And the Pharisee said, oh, I'm not like that guy. I mean, I do all these wonderful works. Uh, And I say to you, dear friend, you can try to do all the good that you want to do and still die and go to a death. Devil's hell. Grace, would you come to the piano? I'm done. But I got a question for you. 
I want you to go to your, I want, I want you to think about something. Go to the place in your heart right now where you got saved. Amen. Every one of you, if you're saved, go to the place in your heart right now where you got saved. Amen. Do you remember the conviction? Do you remember how the Spirit of God drew you, showed you you were lost? That conviction set in, you realized you was a sinner, you were guilty. You needed a savior. You needed forgiveness. And whether you was at an altar at the church or in your car or beside your bed or maybe at a shop somewhere or wherever it might have been, there you bowed your head and your heart. And you asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart and save you. You remember that. That's a wonderful day. The greatest day of every individual's life that's ever been saved. But I wonder... I wonder how many are sitting here tonight that you don't know. You can't go to that place. Right now, you're thinking in your heart. You're wondering. You're wondering. You're trying to remember the conviction. You're trying to remember if there's ever been a time like that. And you really don't know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. I would not sit in church all my life and die and go to a devil's hell. I would not leave the tent tonight after the Holy Ghost dealt with my heart and showed me my need for Christ and die and go to hell. Why not get saved? Why not? Why would an individual fight the Holy Ghost? Let's stop. I don't understand why anybody would ever say no to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't understand how an individual can have such pride in his or her heart that they will not humble themselves and come down and let a preacher or somebody take a Bible and show them how they can know for sure you're saved. Are you saved? Let's all bow our head and close our eyes while the Brown's coming, but I'm going to ask the question. Is there anyone here tonight that would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I don't know for sure I'm saved. You slip your hand up. Preacher, pray for me. The first step to salvation is admitting your need for salvation. Anyone like that tonight? You slip your hand up across the tent. Preacher, if I died, I don't know for sure I'd go to heaven. Let's all stand. Father in heaven, we sure love you. Thank you for all you've done. Lord, I tried to mind you and do what you asked. It's up to them. Father, I pray that you'd work mightily, speak to hearts. Lord, help Brother McBride as he comes in a moment to preach. I pray you'd preach him with power. May the Spirit of God work amongst us. In Jesus' name. Just remember this, at this church and at this meeting, this altar is never closed. And if the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart, there's a place to come and pray. And if you need help, we'll be more than happy to come to you, to help you, to open the Bible, to show you exactly what God would have for you. So this altar is always open. Don't think you can't come at any time because it's always open. Let's take our hymnals, if you would. We're going to turn over to page number 246. Number 246, let's all stand, or you're already standing. You're doing a good job. You're thinking ahead of me, and that's scary. Page number 246, we're going to sing a couple verses of this song, and uh, then we'll get around and shake hands this evening. 246, my sins are gone. Time altered. 